For those of you that have already listened to the sermon, the podcast begins at about 13 minutes. Howdy, y'all. My name is Tiffany Keith. I'm the preaching pastor of Heartstrings, Bluegrass, Worship, and Wild Hearts. Welcome to Give God an Inch, where we open ourselves up to God's nudging. I will read one of my sermons, read, not preach, totally different things. What I write and what comes out on Sunday mornings are not the same. After I read the sermon, we are going to take a little bit of time to reflect on it, what I said, why, and maybe what hit the cutting room floor. Let us pray. Oh God, open us up. Open our eyes that we might see, our ears that we might hear. God, open our hearts that we might feel. And then, oh God, open our hands that we might serve. Amen. Do you find yourself longing for how things used to be? Do you long for the days where you could park your car, turn it off, get out, walk into a building without returning back to your car again for a mask that you forgot to bring again, studying the door to see if there are any mask required signs, looking around to see if the majority of people are wearing masks or none at all. Do you long for the days when you could walk into your favorite restaurant, sit at your favorite table, Joke with your favorite waitress. Do you long for the days before your table was shut down? The days when the staff knew you so well that they knew your favorite meal, how you took your coffee, and the people that knew the names of your kids and grandkids and what was up in their lives. Do you find yourself longing for how things used to be? People that used to be an assumed part of your life. Routines that were so easy, so normal. The world a little crazy, a lot divided, but predictable and fairly safe. Do you find yourself longing for the mornings when you could wake up knowing what the day would bring without feeling the weight of the last 18 months? At Heartstrings, I'm in the middle of a sermon series, Welcome Home. Because 18 months ago, we left home. We left the safety and comfort, the sense of predictability and normalcy that home brings. Whatever home means to you. One way or another, you have lost that. We all have. If you step back and look at our world today, or if you even step back to see your interactions with others, what you will see is grief. Grief shows itself in pain and tears, yes, but grief also shows itself in anger and frustration and denial and depression and a deep, uncontainable longing for what used to be. This church has left home a lot in its 150 years of gathering, sometimes quite literally. I know this is obvious, but some things are worth saying. This building is not 150 years old. 
this community of faith has moved out of multiple buildings. We met as a Sunday school in a home at Bijou and Cascade, then left home for a new church building the next year. A decade later, moved into our third location. 20 years later, our fourth. 50 years later, we moved into our current sanctuary. Looking back at, it, at the history, it's easy to just hear the dates, to hear about the moves. But for the people actually there, the people that were actually leaving home, it is much deeper. It included so much emotion and memories. For the people there, they were leaving home. They were leaving the pew that they had sat in for years, leaving behind the wall that they remember painting, memories of concerts and services, laughter and tears, new beginnings and long goodbyes. Yes, it includes hope, joy, leaving home behind, but it also includes grief and sadness. And that's when leaving home is planned and leaving is for better, bigger things. Leaving home is not always planned. It's not always to chase dreams. This church has left the comforts of home behind so many times in the last 150 years. It has suffered the loss of a longtime, much beloved pastor. It has gone to its knees in prayer and grief during world wars, planes flying into buildings, school shootings, movements and protests, and pandemics that shook us to the very fabric of our being. It is not often that an entire community comes together on a Sunday morning with similar thoughts, fears, and prayers, but that has been so true for us for the last 18 months. As a culture, a world, we come together with grief, buried deep in who we are. We grieve the loss of normal, of predictability, of safety. We grieve the loss of handshakes and hugs that felt normal and not tinged with fear. We grieve the loss of children smiling and laughing and playing without fear of invisible dangers that might be lurking on every hand. We grieve the easy light holiday dinners and weddings and funerals and worship services and gatherings that happen without fear of getting sick or getting others sick. We are grieving. We are mourning the loss of home. I went to a restaurant just last week. I've been there quite a bit of time since it reopened. I always, every time, order the same thing. Spicy corn nuggets with extra ranch. So good. I would recommend you go try some as soon as possible. Wait until after worship, of course. But last week, I ordered my order and they didn't carry it anymore. The supplier can't get it. They're short on staff. The trucks that get it to the restaurant is short on staff. The restaurant still isn't as busy as it used to be. So some menu items just aren't there right now. It's such a little thing. No big deal. I would still get fed, still eat a good meal. But I am so tired of assuming things will be like they were. And they just aren't. There's are so many big things that have changed. I know those are the things that should shake me, but it's the thousand little things every day that added up can feel like too much to bear. It feels like the ground under us is shaky, 
storms are raging. I am longing for the comforts of home, of what used to be, of what we used to have. I am grieving the loss of home. Do you feel like storms are raging? Is the world tossing you like a ship on the sea? Like wind and water and all sorts of things out of your control have taken a hold of your life and you just don't have the say over your day and outcomes of your efforts like you used to. Do some days just make you feel powerless and alone? Do you find yourself longing for the way it used to be? Do you find yourself longing for the comforts and familiarity of home? The disciples are no stranger to being away from home. They saw so many things on their journey with the Messiah. Yes, they saw miracles, but it was not always so easy, not always so amazing. They knew the fear of storms. Listen now to these words from the Gospel of Mark. On that day when the evening had come, Jesus said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in a boat, just as he was. Other boats were there with with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace. Be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was a dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? The word of God for the people of God. Did you know the disciples in Mark never really knew the Messiah was in their midst? They walked year after year with Jesus, laughed, heard stories, saw wonders faced storms, and never really understood. Their inability to see the full power of the truth in their lives gives us so much permission to miss Jesus walking with us through our storms. If the disciples miss Jesus right there, right by their side, of course we will miss him too, especially in the storms. But in the midst of the storm, there he is with a reminder that no matter the storm, God is bigger. No matter the struggle and uncertainty, God is a calm presence. No matter the size of your grief, God is right there. Maybe it wouldn't have been a big deal to you. It wasn't even that big of a deal to me. I'm sure it will soon be forgotten moment in the long string of moments that is life. But I was planning a fairly big family event. Maybe it wasn't that big, but to me, it felt big. And for the life of me, I could not get all the details right. The things that I used to just know would happen. No, we don't have the corn nuggets you have to have. No, we can't promise that any flight will take off or land on time. We can't even promise that they will take off at all. And mail, oh no, you cannot put your invites in the mail and expect them to arrive on time. And masks, no masks. In person, Zoom, you can just forget trying to plan around that. I was trying so hard. I was frustrated and just done. 
I was longing for the days when I knew what to expect and how to pull an event off. It was just about that moment that my sister pointed out how poor of a job I was doing. I let her know in no uncertain terms my exact frustration level and what I thought of her opinion. It was about, it was right about that moment when she looked at me. I looked at her looking at me and the storms came to an abrupt halt. I named my frustrations, she named hers, and we had this beautiful moment to name all the pain and the grief we both carry through our days. I can almost see Jesus standing with us in that moment. Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? Please stand as we sing our final hymn together. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, just, uh, just a little bit about form, and then we can <clears throat> talk about the theology, if that's okay. Is that all right? I mean, I asked to talk more theology, so yes, and form is totally fine. My name is Kent Ingram, and I'm one of the pastors of First United Methodist Church, who normally preach the sanctuary services, but Tiffany will be preaching them this week while I go out to the Prairie Campus to preach. Who are you? And I'm Tiffany. Just want to. I just want to say you did a good job at the beginning, sort of with all the touchstones to 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 get us to the place where we recognize not, not only that we're not home, but but that it's grief. I, I love that that shift, right? I and mean, I think that was. I think that was the helpful shift. We, we can all name those times and places where the frustration boiled over, the you know, disappointment came. You know, there's, just, there's just so much of that. Um, and I think two things, really. I think the one to, to help us see that as, as dislocation, you know, we're, not, we're not at home anymore, and to identify that feeling as grief. I thought that was really helpful. And, and, and you, you know, you, you, you gave a lot of um, examples, you know, from your own life and from the world around us. So, yeah, um, I, I was, the, so a couple of things in there. Um, I, I wonder because it's a little bit of a mashup of two sermons because um, I'm preaching the sanctuary services. So I'm pulling in some of the foundational you know, words that I did a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I wonder, as I was reading it, I wonder if your congregations are going to wrestle with the, the definition of home like mine did. Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I, you know, the, it's just I've listened to the other sermons. I, I'm in a different place than they are. But, uh, I, you know, but I think I think that you at least at least from the church's perspective, uh, you talked about you know, leaving the buildings, going to new places. Um, and of course, most of the people here, um, this has been their home. I mean, it's this is, you know, the, the, on the site for, uh, I don't know, a hundred years or something. And, 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 um, you know, a few people remember the old sanctuary, Brenda Holly, some of the others, uh, you know, and, and the old education building, which is still there. Uh, so, so, but, but, even if they didn't do it here, 
I think a lot of people have experienced either moving to a new church or a church moving a location, you know, and I think it's good to name that that's our church's history too. You know, we, we, we moved, you know, it's just, this is nothing new. That's interesting. You know, it's funny. I hadn't even thought about the fact that I'm going to be preaching to people that remember one of these moves. Yeah. Some of them will. I mean, you know, we, we have, we have a number of people who remember this sanctuary built finished in 56 being new. Um, yeah. And the uh, other thing I think I, I wanted to say was just that it, it feels like one of the differences in, in how I set it up in the beginning is we've all experienced these things at this point. Yes. I, I mean, so usually when you're preaching, it's hard to name. You can't say one story and everybody gets it. You know, you can't tell a Facebook yeah. story because you lost half of them. You can't tell a you know, yeah. cassette tape story because you lost the other half of them. But yeah. in, in this case, we like, we really all sort of, we have a touch of that. You know, and I think in the beginning, I just, I want to sit with that restaurant one a little bit. I think that one is a lot of people get their favorite restaurant. Yeah. And it just is not the same. So tell me how you got to the point where you understood that experience, that feeling is grief. Um, I, I mean, it's part of why I'm doing this sermon series, right. Is because um, we are as a culture right now, as a, society heck as a world we're grieving um and and i don't know i mean i listened to a podcast where somebody said that but it it just we are we're grieving so i created the entire sermon series for the purpose of how can we start naming and being self-aware of the grief that we all carry I mean, that's the purpose of the series. And, and at the end, actually, the end of the series itself, you know, what I name is that, you know, the next, next week is returning home. You know, there's this excitement. Next week, I'll, you know, I'll tell that story about pulling the tape off of the pews. Yeah. This excitement of returning home. But the last one is kind of around the, home's not what it used to be you don't get to go back unchanged you know um so so there's this arc for me in the series of really naming and claiming grief and and finding a way to be okay with what with what is you know with the new um because it the, the one phrase when I was writing it that I just love in this one is that uncontained longing for what used to be. Yeah. Yeah. You well, know? I think, I think the genius was identifying the emotion as grief. I mm-hmm. think, I think that unlocks a lot inside. I think for me, that's one of the big aha moments of the sermon in the series you know, that, I, that, is this your first time that you've heard it named as grief? Because I think I have every no, week. No, I, I, I you have. I think okay. I think you you really focused on it this week. I mean, I, I, it's, this is what I had the aha moment. I had it some time ago. But I think for for a lot of people here in the sermon this 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 week who haven't been along for the journey, 
um, you know, that that's going to be the, the unlocking that, 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 aha, that, that, you know, this frustration and stuff that I'm holding in it's grief. I've said goodbye to, to, to something that was familiar and comfortable and, and, and helpful. And, um, I just, I think that's good. I, I think, I think that the, the interesting theological point though, and, and I, I, I think, I, I don't know as a preacher, if you can do anything more than just name it, but the interesting theological point, of course, is that Jesus is in the in the same boat, right? I mean, he, he's he's in the boat with us, I guess, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. And and um, that that's the hope, that's the promise that 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 we don't journey alone, that we don't grieve alone. Somebody knows our grief. Um, I believe that with all of my heart theologically, but that's a hard. Um, other than just the affirmation, it's a hard point to make with an illustration. You talked about your sister, uh, but but even even that was just in that moment I came to realize, right? You know, yeah. or I could I could visualize, and I don't I don't know how to I don't you know how absent some sort of a sign, you know how how that happened. I I, I I did I guess I did not know this, but I but I've noticed stuff popping up on Facebook around um dimes appearing for for people who who are experiencing loss of a loved one have you have you read about that no i don't i don't know i don't know that it makes any sense at all i don't know what i believe about it but there's this whole kind of i don't know uh there's this whole movement out there that that says you know when you lose someone you love uh, you know, a dime will appear as a proof that they that, that they're with you. You know, kind of stuff. Now, you know, and, and I know that that's kind of cheesy, but I also know I also know that that I've talked to, to plenty of our folks, people that I've been pastor of, who have taken solace in some experience following the death of a loved one. You know, a cardinal appeared, or you know, or or. Uh, a rainbow showed up on the way home from, from the cemetery or whatever it might be. Um, people need some sign, some, some way to, to, to just know that God is with them. And that's a hard thing to offer, you know, other than an internal experience or feeling of that. So what, well, how, how are you going to tell how, how people are going to know for sure that Jesus is in the boat with them? Yeah, I don't get to tell them that, <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. that's just a, um, so one of the things and kind of going back to like the beginning of, of what you were saying um, of just naming this as grief. Um, one of the things that I realized this week because sometimes the preacher gets to learn to is, is really seeing the different ways that grief expresses itself you know mm. i think i'm looking towards um you know frustration is where i'm seeing it but i also like looking at grief a little bit comes out in depression right mm. everybody's turning to their phones all the yeah. time you know yeah. playing games or, or anything to avoid you know the grief um as far as telling them i don't know i hope i share the ending illustration well Right. I, I, I mean, and, and I hope I like 
how the end stops with Jesus saying, why are you still afraid? Yeah. Um, like, because I think the disciples didn't see with Jesus there. Right. So, I, I mean, and I name that. I, I don't know that I can. Here's where here's where Jesus is. Right. Like, here's proof. Like, if somebody could have done that. Jesus would have, right? Yeah, like, yeah sure. Like, you know, so I don't feel responsible for proof, right? At all. Like, now I do feel responsible for an invitation to look back and see. This is kind of leaning into provenient grace, right? Like, yeah, yeah. like, like this moment, like, standing there you know whatever it was like the storms and then there's you know just that that moment when you're like oh okay it's okay and um like I wouldn't have named that as Jesus showing up at the time no exactly that's exactly where I was going I I think I think that 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 even for the disciples right I mean it wasn't until after the resurrection that that looking back they knew who was in their midst, you know, mm. and, and, I, and I think that, I mean, that, that's, that's certainly true. Uh, Mark's gospel, we don't know because it ends abruptly, but, but um, I, I think, I think that's probably. If, that's if, if, not if, fair. We do know in Mark's gospel, because they went on to write Luke and, and Matthew. Well, I mean, sure. they didn't, but you know, anyway, yeah, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. But, 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 but the characters of the disciples, you know, are yeah. clues to the whole thing. And I don't, I mean, I'm not, I don't know that you need to add anything, but that, that would be the one I mean, to, to, just to say that, to say, looking back in your moments of grief, um, maybe you, you have, you know, looking back, you're aware now that you weren't alone. So I wonder this is not a theological question and it's not really a form question either. Um, what's that, that, that sermon word that has to do with like, where's God in the sermon? I don't know. I know there's gotta be some good fancy seminary word. <laughs> I don't know. Um, <laughs> but is when we talk, you almost say, I wonder if you could add this. Yeah. And I wonder if your add this is often your aha moment in the sermon. Like mm. if I had the podcast with, you know, 500 people, if I would then have like a three hour long one trying to insert everybody's, oh, I saw this. <laughs> well, <you're> is, <laughs> is it part of writing the sermon leading into the letting them see what they see? Like maybe well, that yeah. is something you saw, right? Yeah, yeah, you're right. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's maybe it gets them close enough. Um, I, you know, I, maybe it does. I, I just, you know, that, I think, I think that that that's it, it's just it, in the storm. It's almost impossible. Uh, it's very difficult to to be aware of God's presence. Yeah. yeah because, because the storm's raging. So can I ask a theological question? If yeah. God is there in the boat, why are there storms? Yeah, well, 
yeah, that that that's a big question, right? I mean that that's that's I mean it goes if, if you push it far enough, it gets to the question of evil, right? Why why does evil exist? I mean, I think I think that the, the storm question is because God made a universe in such a way that when you know prevailing winds <laughs> and and ocean currents and things conspire this is this is what happens you know i mean that that's just the way that's the natural law that's the way the way things happen and god god has chosen to create a universe uh where god doesn't intervene in these things although in the story jesus does you know um but but it raises the bigger question around why would this happen at all? Why would you know? I don't think storms are evil. I think storms are, are are not are neither good nor bad. They are just physical realities. But I do think that sometimes the storms we experience come out of evil. Um, what about pandemics? Well, I mean, I, I think I think pandemic is a is a is a result of, of sort of the biological realities of the way the world was made. And, you know, we could, we could get off into the conversation around how we handled the pandemic and, and did we increase the amount of pain and suffering through denial and political machinations and calculations. And did you like see, that. did you see our Bishop's letter that she released? Um, I know you're on vacation, so I don't know if you've seen I don't it. Think but... I saw it. Um, the, our Episcopal office is refusing to offer religious ex exemptions for vaccination of, um, mm -hmm. of employers over a hundred. I don't, I don't know the original rule, but she's refusing yeah. to. And in that letter includes a graph, the, you know, the number of COVID cases in blue line is is those unvaccinated and orange line is those vaccinated and the yeah. orange line is flat near the bottom yeah you know sure. and the blue line is like shooting sure. you know fairly far up yeah. like yeah so is god not present in the people that that make decisions that are different than we would make i i have no doubt that god grieves that <laughs> you know, you know the, the the God sees the sort of selfishness in in a claim that you know my freedom is more important than my compassion. Mm -hmm. My freedom is more important than my concern for someone else. Um, you know, I mean, if somebody asks me why are you wearing a mask, it's because I don't want to do your funeral, right? <laughs> <But> <laughs> Yeah. You know, so, so yeah. I mean, yeah. That that I mean that that's a big question. You know, the, the why the storms, right? And I don't. I, I mean, you know, I I could come up with some theological answer around, you know, God making the universe, God keeping covenant with the way God the universe, God. You know, if you if you create if you create a universe with the possibility of freedom and the possibility of love, um, then 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 you also have to create a universe verse with the possibility of hate and 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 you know all the things that are involved with it yeah and you know we we've talked about the the the, the promise that one day all things will be made right one thing one day all tears will be wiped away mm -hmm. and if all tall time is present with god mm -hmm. at all times what looks like the past to us is still present to god and and there can still be healing 
Um, yeah. You know, and, and so, yeah, but that's, that's pretty heavy stuff. Not stuff you got yeah. into in your sermon, but it might, no. be questions, might be questions that are raised. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that's stuff that we carry with us as pastors into the study, right? As these deep yeah. questions and, and pull from our answers because, you know, although my answer I think is similar to yours and I might even use some of the words, it, it feels like a, a little bit of a, a, a shift, right? That, the absence of evil is not good. And I don't know how to explain that, but like God created life and it's not life if it's static and unchanging and just good, right? Like you look at our planet and, and, you know, take humans off right? Storms happen and seasons happen. And, and when I look, it, it's not that, you know, if we just took all of the, you know, the predators away, so all the, you know, yeah. it just wouldn't work, right? It, it wouldn't be the fullness of, of life or whatever. Um, so I, I think God experiences the fullness of life through us versus God being outside of it and just watching us. I think yeah. God experiences those moments in the same moment we do. And I think that's only possible because God is outside of time. You know, I, I, and sure. I, and I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm not the best theologian. I could never write a book that people understood, which might make me a great philosopher. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the, like the peace of God, it passes all understanding. Yeah, <laughs> I get it. Well, yeah, but 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 you are right that we that we the the the, the tendency, I say tendency, that the the dangerous thing about this is to go into a sermon like this and to simplify it so much that that you just ignore the struggles that are there. I mean, there's going to be people sitting in the pews who had horrible storms and, and, um, and loss and, and grief, you know, loss of children or spouse or, you know, tragic accidents, whatever it might be. And, and it doesn't, it, it doesn't honor that reality of their experience by cheapening this and making it so simplistic and, you know, you know, life is hunky dory. Jesus is there. Don't be sad. You know, that's, that's not, we, you know, we, we have more to that to offer. When we talk about the presence of Christ, it's not a, a fix it solution to all the problems of the world, but it's, but it's a, a core anchor support, strength, presence, um, promise, you know, it, it just, it, it holds us up in the storms. It doesn't protect us from it. And I think, I think good preachers don't try to take a shortcut. Don't Mm -hmm. try to make it too easy, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't know that we really do have to take it all into the study with us, but not, you know, like make it so complicated that people don't get it or make it so simple that that it's not an invitation to something deeper yeah and it denies the reality of 
most people's experiences. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. So what are you hoping people will come away with when they walk out of the sanctuary on Sunday? I hope people walk away with a deeper level of self-awareness during mm-hmm. this time. Yeah. Um, I think it is so, so easy to get wrapped up in frustration or depression or, you know, or sadness or anger and and fail to see in themselves. I I mean, what we're running across a lot is blame, right? It's, it's funny because I, I think, um, you know, going, listening to all the plane flights that are delayed and, yeah. <laughs> you know, flights that are missed are going into, I mean, drive-throughs can be unbelievably slow. Mm-hmm. And, and at the same time, so, so there's this tendency I've seen in myself and in others to complain about how, you know, like, I don't want to sit in this drive-through for 10 minutes. This is stupid. And not at the same time be aware of their, uh, like, of, of my own frustrations and struggle. Like, we're trying so hard to, to get the church, you know, to do the next best step at the church, yeah. you know, and I can feel the struggle in myself, but when I'm experiencing it from others, I blame or I get irritated. Why can't I have corn nuggets? Um, and I think that takes a little bit of self-awareness to see, oh, yeah. they are struggling in the exact same way I am. Yeah. You know, just just some patience and some kindness. You know, we're all we're all struggling. You know, we, we all are. And, and uh, it's easy to get frustrated. And, and, you know, the profound theological point is that we, we journey this way with God and um Keep that, keep that forefront, but it would be nice in the church world if people would just be patient, right? Just, just know. I have a feeling that statement, like you could just take out the noun and insert any other. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure. In the restaurant world, the people would just be patient and the, yeah. and the you know, the, the gasoline shortages and hiring yeah. staff and, you know. Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, and, yeah. and, it's, and, and this is not a time of patience in our nation. You know, no. it, it's a, there's just a like, lot of divisiveness and anger prior to the pandemic and it just yeah. made it worse. Yeah. But can we be called as a church to be something different in that? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So what do I'm, you, what, what about you? So I don't well, know. I'm, people... I'm, I'm agreeing. I, mean, I, 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 I think, I think that if people can just step back a minute, take a breath, mm-hmm. see, see that what their experience is a grief, see, see that everybody is in the same place and just, just, just be patient and kind, you know, look, look for way, look for ways to be that presence of Christ yeah. in, in the lives of people who are struggling, you know, because they're all struggling, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so do you want to introduce yourself really quick? My name is Kent Ingram and I'm a, one of the pastors of First United Methodist Church who normally preach the sanctuary services, but Tiffany will be preaching them this week while I go out to the Prairie Campus to preach. Who are you? 
and I'm Tiffany. So let's send it back to the band. Yeah.